Welcome to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast presented by Dean Duplessis. We bring you up to date with all the ongoing fixtures domestically and on the international scene. We profile players, both current and former, and tell you all you need to know in the world of cricket. Hello and welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast with me, Dean Duplessis. We have a real West Indian feel to it in uh, this uh, particular podcast, and rightly so, because it was the West Indies who uh, won the two test match series by one test match to know with a very emphatic innings and four-run win uh, down at Queen's Sports Club in Bulawayo. It took them just three days to uh, win this, and given the fact that there was rain around, that uh, was a pretty comprehensive performance None more so than the left-arm spin of Gutekesh Morty, who ended up taking 19 wickets in the series, 13 in the second test match. So uh, very, very good performance by Morty. Right, so uh, let's then first of all catch up with uh, the uh, former West Indies captain, Jason Holder, who uh, was uh, very keen to actually have a chat. Gave me the biggest hug, I can tell you, uh, when he realized that he was going to be talking to me. So it was a real pleasure catching up with Jason Holder. Jason, thanks very much for your time. At the end of the day, there were some uh, patches, I guess, in this test series where the cricket was pretty good, but a very comprehensive win all round. I would imagine that will leave you very happy as you prepare for the test series against South Africa. Yeah, really good series, man. Um, I think credit must go to each and every individual on our team. Um, obviously led by the captain, Craig, and, you know, Tage and Rainshine have obviously stood up you know, Hi, back in the department. And, you know, I think it's just a situation where, you know, we all put our hands up, you know, when needed. Uh, I think the boys tried, they fought, obviously led by Gurukish Mohi as well too. So, good to see a youngster come in, um, second test series and, and shining. One thing I noticed, obviously, Gutekesh Mohi, also a left-arm spinner, very similar to Hamilton Masakaza, bold, the similar lines, lengths, pace, I suppose, but um, Morty had a great deal more success than what Masakaza did. Would you, why do you think that is? Is it, do you think, the inability of the Zimbabwe batsmen to play left-arm spin, or what was different between the two left-arm spinners, in your opinion? Well, I mean, it's hard to say, man. I think our batters played well. You must give them credit. Um, I think on a pitch like this one, particularly where you had a lot more assistance, it, 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 you have to be a lot more patient and graft a little bit more for runs. Um, maybe the Zimbabwean players didn't, didn't graft enough um, and probably played a few more fault strokes a little earlier than, than expected. Uh, I think when you just look at it holistically, everybody who got runs on the wicket had to graft, at least initially, before they were able to expand. So, yeah, I think credit must be given to Moti for the, for the way he struck his deliveries together. Um, and it's just a matter for him just to get better. Um, I think Mazzucasa, with more experience and more time, he would understand, you know, how to prize good players out uh, when people actually knuckle down on grind. Uh, and that's the beauty about Test cricket. You know, when you're up with that challenge where people come on the grind and, and and make you work hard for your wickets, you know, and then you actually get the rewards, you know, that's a lot more pleasing. And then obviously a nice big Test series coming up against South Africa. It's always hard playing the South Africans, but uh, you and the team up for the challenge? Definitely. Um, 
We had them last last year, a year before in the Caribbean. Um, we obviously didn't play well against them, and it's it's going to be an interesting series. I think I think if we bowl well, you know, we can obviously put ourselves in a really good position. Their batting lineup is, is also a bit inexperienced and probably lacking a little bit of form as well too. So, look, I think this series has done us well in terms of giving our batters more time in the middle, and, and it's obviously going to be different conditions in South Africa, but more or less it gives our batters more exposure, more time in the middle, and more confidence. Um, in, in going into that series is going to be very crucial and important that you know we spend some time. They have a very good bowling attack, as we all know. Um, right, Narkia, um, Kagesa, Rabada, Lungi, and Gidi. I guess those are pretty much the spearhead of that, that, that attack, and more or less will be asked to do the bulk of their work. So more, if we, you know, we come out and we play some solid cricket, you know, make them work hard for the wickets, I think it'll be a good series. And then just for, just to conclude briefly, from a Zimbabwean perspective, were there any players who stood out for you and who impressed you in the team? Look, I think um, Mavuto was obviously um, standing in the first Test match, and he obviously looked well in this Test match as well. I was very impressed with the way Mazakazu goes about his cricket. I think he's one of the more confident players I've found. Craig is obviously a star worker for the game. You know, he's been along for a long, around for a long time, and I love the way he constructed his innings. Um, and then obviously the young CD debutant today. I mean, in this game, I can't remember his name. Yes, Innocent Kaya, the yeah. uh, and the fast bowler yeah. Tanaka Chivanga. Yeah, that's who you're that's looking him. for. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think he was he was very impressive for me. He really ran in. Um, he's obviously got a little bit more pace than, than the others. Yeah. And then obviously the, the fight Vicky Hall take um a Victor Nyauchi. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, to me he was very, very skillful, very, very nagging. He challenged us, you know, he challenged both the inner 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 portion of the bat and the outside edge as well too. So I think in these conditions that's where you like and what that's what you expect. Um, it was really good to see these guys continue to, you know, put some put us under some pressure. You're listening to the DNet Stumps podcast. Most certainly are, and it is great to be back with you again. So that is Jason Holder, and uh, wonderful to catch up with him again, and uh, very, very enjoyable to be standing out there in the middle of the pitch and uh, having a chat with him after what was a very, very com- comprehensive win by the West Indies over Zimbabwe. And of course, the West Indies will be playing South Africa now in two Test matches, three One Day Internationals, and three t- T20 Internationals as well. So some good cricket coming up. And hope, hopefully it will be a good competitive series. All right then, next up on the menu is a man who very, very quickly warmed the hearts of Zimbabweans with his big smile and gentle nature and uh, frivolity that he has uh, both on uh, or in the commentary box as well as out of the commentary box as well. He's a true gentleman and it is a real pleasure to be talking to him. I am referring to former West Indies uh, Test batsman Darren Ganga. And uh, he, of course, was part of our commentary team, and it was a real pleasure to catch up with Darren Ganga. Darren, thank you very much for taking time out of what has been a wonderful time and a busy time here for you in Zimbabwe. Welcome to the Dnut Stumps podcast. Uh, before we get into the more serious side of things, it sounds like you've had yourself a wonderful time here. I have, and, and Dean, I would like to say thank you very much uh, for everything that you've uh, done throughout this entire series. For me, it's been so impressive seeing you uh, commentate on television and of course, uh, experiencing your wide and vast body of knowledge that you have on this great game of cricket. So it's been very refreshing and inspiring for me uh, to work alongside you in this particular series. What can I say, Zimbabwe is always a beautiful place. Um, I've had the experience of being here on two occasions previously touring with the West Indian senior men's team and um, 
on every occasion. I've enjoyed uh, both the cricket on the field and the, and the crowd, the people, uh, the place off the field as well. And it's been very much the same this time around. Yeah, I was going to say, because I remember you being here in 2001 when I was still finding my way in, the, in this field. And, and you and Chris Gale at this very venue had a wonderful opening partnership of 213. Would you say the pitch, I mean, obviously it's a very long time, but um, it was a very flat pitch then. But would you say possibly even flatter and even more unresponsive now than what it was all those years ago? Possibly. Um, very similar in terms of outlook. The surface here at the Queen's Sports Club in Bulawayo, it's always very batting friendly. Of course, the second alphabet test match offered a little more to the spinners because of the extra dry nature of the surface that we saw on day one. But generally speaking, my experiences being here and playing at the Queen's Sports Club in Bulawayo has been a very good one. Uh, more so for me as a specialist batter. I've enjoyed batting on this surface. It's been tough work for bowlers and it's been very much the same in this particular <laughs> test series between the West Indies and Zimbabwe. You say so, but Gutikish Morty would maybe disagree with you. He had a wonderful time of it, didn't he? He did, and when you think about the fact that uh, he's only playing his third and fourth test match um, of his career, and to pick up five wickets in both innings, uh, to lead the West Indies to victory, that in itself is as good as you get as a bowler in test match uh, cricket, when you could um, excel individually and make sure that that excellence contributes towards a team victory, it's the ultimate. So I'm hoping that whilst he has just started his test career, he'll use uh, the confidence of this magnificent effort to propel him to being that genuine wicket taker for the West Indies and for him to have a long and successful career. What would you say he did differently to what the Zimbabwe spinners did to have the success that he did, especially in the second test match? Or would you say it may be down to Zimbabwe's inability to play left-arm spin? That's a very good question. I, I must admit that I've seen the left-arm spin of Wellington Masakadza and he has done very well. He's bowled a similar number of overs to that of Gudakish Moti in this second test match, but he has not had the sort of returns like Moti. I think partly, of course, Moti has bowled generally good. I think if you had to be critical about his bowling in this uh, particular test match, it would be his lengths, a little too inconsistent for him being a finger spinner. I think his degree of control as a left-arm spinner could increase. And I also feel that he has to modulate and regulate his pace on his deliveries a little bit more. As he competes against better opposition, better batters, he might find it more challenging uh, for him to, to get wickets and then for him to bowl with good economy, which is often required in test match cricket from left arm finger spinners. So those are things that he will learn. I'm very happy for him uh, taking these wickets uh, in this second test match, seven wickets in the first uh, innings and, and then another Pfeiffer in the second. Um, but I think it was helped along as well with some indifferent batting from Zimbabwe. Quite a few, I would say, strokes which were on call for and uh, it led to, to, to him being the beneficiary of so many wickets. It is quite bizarre in the sense that 
good Keshe Mohti was able to help himself to 13 wickets. I mean, that's astonishing, 13 for 99. But then you did also have the other side of the coin was Victor Nyauchi bowling very nicely and, and, and getting his first five wicket haul as well. So, you know, where a lot of people would have thought that Seema wouldn't have had any chance or stood any chance of getting a fifer, that was not the case because he bowled quite ni very nicely actually at Victor Nyauchi. Indeed, and, and I was very impressed with his uh, determination, his persistence. Um, he didn't look threatening in that uh, first half of the innings. It was with the second new ball that he was able to penetrate the last five batters in this West Indian eleven. So his consistency paid dividends. He also showed that he had the skill to move the ball into right-handers. He bowled with decent pace. I still feel he can probably gain a yard or two yes. in terms of pace. I, I also feel that he has to, to work uh, on developing a very good bouncer because a, a bowler of his pace has to keep reinventing themselves all the time in Test Match Cricket because you will come up against better batters who will try to dominate you. And in those circumstances, you have to have contingencies in your approaches to bowling. You can't just rely on one approach in Test Match Cricket. And that's the beauty about this format of the game. So it's great to see that he was able to rise above all the other seamers in this match and pick up his maiden five-wicket haul. And I think uh, in conditions that favoured the spin bowlers, he really distinguished himself as a quality right-hand fast bowler. It's interesting that you should say that. Now, in terms of, of developing a bouncer or, or a, a, I suppose, a quicker bouncer or more accurate bouncer, would that, would that have to be the bowler himself who would have to work a bit harder on strength and conditioning? But would it also maybe uh, be the pitches that maybe need to be livened up a bit more? Look, it, it's not about uh, um, you taking on the challenge of reinventing yourself. I think the game today allows for you to, to get insights into other bowlers, to get insights into yourself using data that was collected from your previous efforts and in your specialized field. So I think it requires a collective effort. It's not only Victor Nyauchi's um, goal and, and, and challenge. He has to rely on his coach. He's got a, a very, very experienced coach in that of uh, David Houghton, who's played for Zimbabwe, who's uh, performed very well with the bat. And oftentimes you tend to find batters uh, having more insights and advice for bowlers because they, they stand on the other side uh, facing bowlers. So he will have to rely on his bowling coach as well and make sure that they work towards uh, developing these different uh, approaches. What I can say is you think of Andy Roberts. Mm. It's not about bowling a fast bouncer all the time. A slower bouncer is as effective a delivery as a faster bouncer. So those are little things that he can use to sort of expand his repertoire as a bowler and I, I just feel once players know that you have that in your armory then it works in your favor if you consistently put the ball in one area because guys would be reluctant to advance to you to put pressure on you because they'll know fully well that you have that short delivery that can push push them back so it's it's about adapting as your career unfolds 
Okay, I'd like to talk a bit about the West Indies. Do you feel that they are still on shaky ground in, ter in terms of test matches? They had a horrible time touring Australia, but so did South Africa. And ironically now, these two sides will be engaging in a test series and a couple of these shorter format games as well. Both came back very, very sore and bruised and battered by the Aussies. And both will now be squaring up against each other now. Would it be fair to say though that South Africa would still have a, a lot of advantage over the West Indies in their conditions? Look, Dean, I'll, I'll answer that question in, in, in two phases. One, if I look at this West Indian test side in the context of other West Indian teams, that's the West Indies white ball teams, in terms of T20 and 50 over cricket, I would say that this West Indian side is more settled, more mature, very close to that stage of team development, um, known as performing. It, it has gone through that forming stage. Many of the players who play in this West Indian test side, they've been around for quite a while. There's a core that has been in existence for about three or four years. So there is continuity in a group of players who have brought success in this format. If you look at what transpired in 2022, you'd see that in the seven test matches that the West Indies played, they were able to win three of those test matches. They produced uh, two draws and then they lost those two test matches against Australia. So collectively, if you had to, you had to rate that West Indian side in 2022 out of a score of 10, you would give them probably seven to eight for what they've been able to accomplish. They beat England in the Caribbean, they demolished and destroyed Bangladesh in the Caribbean, and they competed, to be fair to the West Indies team, they competed against Australia, and playing Australia in Australia is always a formidable proposition. So. I, I just feel that this West Indian Test side is a team that is still uh, trying to achieve excellence and consistent um, excellence as a group. But when I, when I compare to the number one test team in the world, the top three, you think of teams like Australia, like England, like India, there is still a big gap between this side and those teams in the top three uh, tiers in terms of international cricket. West Indies currently ranked number eight in the world, and that also shows that big gulf that exists between uh, those sort of teams and this current West Indian side. Many people will probably argue and, and say that even when, when you were playing for the West Indies, they were in a team who were declining. Kurt Ambrose and Courtney Walsh were pretty much, very much a, at the end of their career. Brian Lara, obviously was still very much a force to be reckoned with, as was Shivnarain Chandapal, um, Carl Hooper as well. My favorite West Indian player, I have to say, <laughs> always will be Carl Hooper. But does it still hurt you to, to understand and to know that the West Indies are now ranked as low as number eight in the test arena? Does that hurt you as a West Indian who grew up watching the finest play and who also played with some of the finest as well? Indeed, it's, it's something that, as a former player, will, will always uh, dig at you. I must say that when I started playing for the West Indies in the 1990s, it gave me great pride to travel with that team, to see the affection that our team had across the globe, to see the respect that other teams had for our team. And a lot of that was built up in the 70s, throughout the 80s, and part in the 90s because of how formidable a team we had back in those days that sort of diluted 
as we moved to the end of the 1990s and we started the early 2000s. But even during that time, when I played for the West Indies throughout the, the period 1998 to 2008, we still at times were beating the best teams in the world. I remember beating Australia in Antigua, where we were able to score the highest fourth inning score uh, by a, a team to win a test match. 418, we scored against Australia to beat Australia in Antigua. I remember uh, for the first time beating South Africa in South Africa. And in the 90s and early 2000s, South Africa was a very formidable unit playing at home or even away from home with the likes of Hansi Crony, Alan Donnell, uh, and then the young Jacques Callis, Sean Pollock. All these guys were quite a, a unit, and we were able to beat. Uh, South Africa in 2007 and at times we beat India, at times uh, we also beat England. So there was never a doubt that if we played well we will beat opposition teams. In this era of West Indian cricket I think if you look at the current team on paper and you say you match that team to Australia, you might not get that confidence that that side could still beat a team like India or to beat a team like Australia. So that to me is a significant difference, even you know, if this current team plays to the best of its ability, I still feel that people will not be 100% convinced that they can beat those formidable teams in world cricket. I, I understand that, I suppose, to a certain extent, because if you remember, well, of course you remember, like in, in 2017 and then when the West Indies toured England again in 2020 under those COVID conditions, the, the West Indies went 1-0 up uh, in 2020, if I remember correctly, and, and then again in 2017, that incredible run chase that Craig Brathwaite was actually a part of. So, so there were those times, and just as West Indian fans around the world, regardless of whether they are West Indian or not, you know, we, we love the West Indies, and we always will. So you get, you get this incredible hope, and it's goosebump material, you know, to, to, to see the West Indies perform as well as what they do. But then there's the letdowns, and when the letdowns come, they seem to be a, a bit more harder to deal with than, uh, than going up, if you understand Indeed, what I mean. indeed, yeah, yeah. most definitely. Yeah. Darren, it's, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. I mean, I, I just wanted to say I very much enjoyed uh, the huge amounts of geography lessons you gave us in the commentary box on television when you spoke of the various islands and it is my hope, my joy or my, my real wish to one day tour the West Indies and um, uh, showcase my skills there as a journalist and a commentator and to you know, do everything else that you do as a tourist there. Thank you very, very much for your time. And uh, are you actually, will you be going to South Africa to follow this? I unfortunately will not be going to South Africa for the following series. Um, I've had pre-existing uh, sort of commitments uh, with my involvement in the Pakistan Super League. Right. I have to head back to the Caribbean, of course, uh, for some commitments there before I join uh, that commentary panel for the PSL this year, PSL 8. But I must say, Dean, uh, again, I look at this Zimbabwe side and I, I see lots of potential. And it's something very similar to what we're experiencing in the Caribbean. You look at our first-class cricket, you look at the young players who are coming through from the under-19 levels, you can tell that they've got natural ability. I guess with countries like Zimbabwe and now like the West Indies, the challenge is for the administrators, for the coaches, to harness that talent, to ensure that that talent is 
sort of place in the right environments where the intensity is high enough to make that talent blossom into being a world-class performing cricketer. And, 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 and those, are, those are things that, that, that are required and need support with items such as the cricket infrastructure, ensuring that your, your coaching stock is the right coaching stock to help assist players and aid in that development. I always like to talk about that player development pathway from a young player playing at the primary school level and transitioning to secondary school and how that secondary school player transitions from the under 19 level to maybe an under 23 level, an A team standard of play and then being exposed to playing in different environments across the globe. That's a big thing now. A player should have the experience of playing in Australia, know what it's like playing in England, maybe having a chance to play in the Caribbean. All these things I think are important elements and ingredients in nurturing talent. So I do pray and hope that Zimbabwe will continue to develop in the right way and, and, and to use these young players and to progress their, their, their sort of effort at the international level. And, and very important for these young players before they make their, their test debut to, as you say rightly, have different playing conditions in, in different countries playing for the A side. Uh, before then making that step up so that at least when you do enter the test arena that you do have a couple of first-class hundreds under your belt not just necessarily in domestic cricket but playing first-class cricket preferably against other teams around the world as well. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, it's great to see a few of the Zimbabwe players playing in, in franchise tournaments across the globe. I must also congratulate Sekanda Raza who's been yes. a standout performer in the white ball arena for Zimbabwe and across the globe. He's been named in the ICC teams of the year, both T20 teams and in that uh, ODI team. So that's, to me, a step in the right direction. That's inspiration that exists right here and a standard of play for the younger players to aim towards. Darren, once again, thank you very much for your time and wishing you all the best. Thank you very much for having me. You're listening to the DNet Stumps podcast. Well then, fantastic stuff from Darren Ganga. Absolutely wonderful to hear from him and uh, the wealth of knowledge that he has and just a true gentleman as well. And of course, Jason Holder as well, which concludes this Dean at Stumps podcast. Thank you so very much indeed for listening. And uh, we'll be back sometime soon with uh, another very good interview. Until then, take care. You've been listening to Dean at Stumps. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast presented by Dean Duplessis. Join us again next week and catch up with all the action in the world of cricket.